take you to a passage of scripture today that I love. We're going to read these passages from two different bookends of 500 years of early church history. The first one, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And just so you'll know, the, it's, it's Joel in English, but it's Yoel in Hebrew. Yoel writes in his day, and it shall come to pass. This is 400 BCE. This is before Christ. This is before the 400 years of silence when the children of Israel, the Jews, no one heard a word from the Lord. They were scarce in the land. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on how many flesh? I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. You mean to tell me that what God was intending to do was bigger than denominationalism? Exactly. God wasn't saying, I'm going to take my spirit and I'm going to give it to the secret service. I'm going to give it to the enlightened ones. I'm going to give it to the special ones. No, that's, 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 what are they called? That's those fraternal orders. Oh, it's only for a select few. No, God said, I want everybody to have, I don't care what you call yourself. Rich, I want you to have it. Poor, I want you to have it. Black, I want you to have it. Asian, I want you to have it. Spanish, I want you to have it. White, I want you to have it. Oh, you call yourself Methodist? I want you to be a spirit-filled Methodist. You call yourself Baptist? I want you to be a spirit-filled Baptist. Call yourself Pentecostal? I want you to be a true spirit-filled Pentecostal. All flesh. Hundred years after the crucifixion of Christ, John the Revelator lives the longest. Media booth, don't hyperventilate. This is some of those late night, early morning notes. You don't have it. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6 in the New Living Translation says this. A hundred years after the crucifixion, John lived the longest. What is it to you if John lives till I remain? And he lived longer than all the apostles, even after being boiled in a vat of oil. Exiled to the island of Patmos where he received the revelation, the apocalypsis, that Yahshua was the Messiah. Then I saw the lamb that looked like it had been slaughtered. But he was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders on their thrones. And this lamb had now seven horns and he had seven eyes. And these horns and these eyes represent the sevenfold spirit of God, which he had now sent out to every part of the earth. These seven horns growing out of the lamps that represented his authority. The seven eyes, they represent the Spirit of God that the Lamb, a hundred years after his slaughter, after his resurrection, he had sent that Spirit out all over the earth. Joel says it's coming. John the Revelator said, I've seen it fulfilled 500 years apart. If you're living today void of that promise, you're missing something from God. I'm not trying to fit you into a cookie cutter denominational doctrine box. I'm trying to show you God wrote you a blank check for something you can't afford to live without. There's one kingdom, the kingdom of God. The body is very diverse, but should be unified. Listen to me today. I love White's Ferry Road, Church of Christ. I love First Monroe. Love Grace Point. 
love the assembly, love Christ church, love family church. They're my brothers and sisters, my hands, my feet, working in the kingdom of God. Not their kingdom, not my kingdom, God's kingdom. What are you saying you want? I want them to have the one thing God said they got to have to be effective. Follow me in this for a few minutes today. Father, I pray your blessings of effectiveness over the teaching of the truth of your word, that hearts would be changed, that spiritual eyes would be open, and people would leave here today hungry to have your promises fulfilled in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you put your hands together for Pastor Chad and the worship team? Now, I've been setting on this. Pastor Chad, I I know you typically go out and take care of your needs. I want you to at least go back and watch this because I've been keeping this even from you. I've been keeping it from Pastor Rhonda. I've been keeping it from Pastor Todd. I, I, I think Brooke found out with me. But three Friday mornings ago, I don't always start with a, a, a story, but this is a true story. No, three Sunday mornings ago, um, we were in the middle of church. I don't always do this. Matter of fact, more times than not, we don't do this. And I just, just sensed as the pastor the person that's in authority over there. I just sensed that we just needed to wait. And I looked up at Pastor Chad and I just, I just pumped the brakes a minute and I just got up and I said, we're just going to wait for a minute on the Holy Spirit today. And matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, the times we've had the Holy Spirit manifest in a public setting over the last two years at Oaks Church, more times than not, which I have greatly appreciated, it's been the gift of prophecy, which is just someone edifying another brother or sister in the English language. I love that because it cuts out the confusion. Matter of fact, the Bible says that's why prophecy is more effective than tongues. But this particular morning, a dear lady that I trust in the Lord, like to no end, gave a word of tongues. Well, the spirit was moving and so many of our brothers and sisters in here that are coming out of addiction, coming out of freedom, they're experiencing, they thought it was testimony hour at CR. Come on, let's hear it for CR in the play. They just started standing up. I got out of prison. I got off heroin. And it was, and I was like, this is great. But hold on at the same time, I don't want to leave this tongue uninterpreted because that's going to confuse somebody. So was anybody here that day? And and I just said, hold on. We just got, those are great. We're going to get to testimonies too, but we got to see what the spirit was trying to say. All right, I'm going to give you two personal nuggets about me right now. The church runs my social media accounts. (laughs) So when you come to me on Facebook, you're not getting me. You're getting somebody from the church that said, because I'm going to be honest with you, I got a wife and three kids and a church and business and friends, and I'm doing all I can do to stay where I'm I, I can't live on social media. And I could if I was on there all the time. Second thing, I always turn my phone on airplane mode when I come up here. Because I have some friends, they call themselves my friends, that'll text me things in the middle of church to mess me up. So I always turn it on airplane mode so I don't see her getting us like, no. And now that we got Wi-Fi, I still get stuff from them sometimes. I got to figure out how to cut Wi-Fi off next. You say, what's that got to do with the price of tea in China? So we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. It's getting kind of awkward. It's like, oh, Lord, Jesus, you done led me out in this water. (laughs) And all of a sudden, does anybody remember what happened? A phone went off, my favorite thing. Does anybody remember what the ringtone was? It was a horn, like a goose. It went, oh, 
or some kind of, go back and listen, it's on the footage, it's like some goose sound. And we're still waiting. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for a test. Thank you, Lord, for backing me up. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The phone just went off with the kind of one of them things. So, a few minutes later, a lady got up and said, this is, this is, this is what I'm getting from the Lord. So I was like, Whew, praise God. Then we started doing testimony of testimonies. The couple of weeks after 53 water baptisms, it's like going to revival service every Sunday. I love it. It's just who we are. It's how it is here. So um, I don't want it any other way. And, and I just got to help it stay organized. And, and so we left, got out of here. Well, I started looking at my phone when I left here. And I had voicemails from one of my dearest and best friends, Doug Pollock, his wife, Kristen Pollock. She was at Donnie and Jody Ray Williams' house, sitting in the backyard at their swimming pool. Now, why she was at their house, I have no idea. She wasn't at church. She wasn't watching church. And she heard a goose go, oh, oh, oh. She picked up the phone. She started calling me to give me the interpretation of the tongue, and she wasn't even watching church. We went back and watched the video and the voice recording on my phone, and they're within one minute of the other. Then I went back and watched what the lady said, and she called back a second time and said, well, here it goes. Since I can't get you, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to leave it. What the lady said and what she left on my phone were the same message. Wow. Have the message on my phone. The, the recordings are on the archives. That's God's super in the midst of our natural. Now, I don't know if you still believe in miracles. I don't know if you still believe in healing. I don't know if you still believe in deliverance. I don't know if you still believe in water baptism or in salvation or in the gifts of healings or all these things that God has promised. But I just want to let you know right now, we at Oaks Church believe in the doctrine of continuationism. We believe this has not stopped. We believe it was God's answer. For the dinner bell to ring of the gospel to draw a lost world into it, we believe it's God's true sound in the earth to lead people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Other people have tried to duplicate it, mimic it, copy it, make movies about it, spin it, twist it, stomp it out, stamp it under, put it under the table, and keep it away from the one true entity that's supposed to be operating supernaturally in the earth. And I just want you to know, if you're here, we believe in being supernatural. We believe in being supernatural. I didn't say weird. I didn't say wacky. I didn't say fruity, flaky, and nutty. We don't need to be cereal. We need to be spirit-filled New Testament Christians that have something greater inside of us that God promised us than our own self-confidence and self-belief. Amen? Now, the cool thing about the Holy Spirit, and all this was just coming to me this morning. All the, none of this is even in my notes. The Holy Spirit does things in a believer's life, listen to me, that none of us can do without him. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit brings fruit. I've been on this real determined and dedicated diet and routine. And, and what I've discovered, I don't want to drag you into all of that, but what I've discovered is, is man-made foods versus God-made foods break down differently in your bodies. Yeah. 
and, 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 and man can make things that look like God made things, but they're not. And it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of process before the God made and the man made shines through. You can act loving, but if you truly have love from the Holy Spirit, it's just a matter of time before people realize which one you've got. Okay. It can be you fronting and it can be God grown and one will last and one will rot. You, you follow me? Man, man has production. God has, help me Holy Spirit. Man can produce things. God can grow things. Man can stamp out license plate. God can plant a seed and make it grow inside of you so that it brings a harvest. They're, they're different. I, I don't know if I'm communicating that well, but the Bible says when the Spirit of God is in you, the fruit that He brings is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, temperance, self-control. Listen to me. You can control your tongue a little bit, but the Holy Spirit can put a bridle in your mouth. You, 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 you can keep yourself from caving to certain temptations, things you like to do, lust and pride and envy and ego and hate and all that. You, you can restrain yourself a little bit, but the Holy Spirit can kill the desire in you. The, the Holy Spirit can kill that desire and birth a new desire, and you end up singing, I once was blind, now I can see, I once was lost, now I, found, now I love the things I used to hate and hate the things I used to love. Only God has the ability to do that. Several years ago, I was sitting on my back porch in Thibodeau, Louisiana, and I was just, honestly, it was a Friday morning. I was spending time with God. And I was reading his word. I was sitting in a chair, and I was just looking. You know, we had a nice little patio. I was looking at creation, and I was thinking about the Holy Spirit. And, and honestly, I'll be honest. I was thinking about the difference the Holy Spirit made in my life. I, I remember walking to a church altar a three-time convicted felon, a two-time violent offender facing a life sentence and an IV drug addict that nobody wanted to help. And I remember walking down to that altar knowing that I was saved, knowing that I knew the Lord, knowing that there was a new love in my heart, but there, there, there seemed to be something more and different in these people's lives that I was around and I needed to get what they had and I remember going down there and asking just to simply be prayed for. And I remember Frances Duran looked at me and she said, baby, what was your addiction? And I said, cocaine, IV. And, and she said, well, baby, David Wilkerson led Nikki Cruz to the Lord and he was a cocaine IV addict and he never did cocaine again in his life, not by a needle or with a straw or with a mouth, anything. And I just believe right now when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to have a desire to never do cocaine. And I'm telling you, I got prayed for. 
I received the Holy Spirit that day. And to this day, I've not been perfect. Listen to me. I have never, ever, 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 ever in any shape, any form ever been high on a drug in my life since. I have never done cocaine. Never. I'm 44 years old today. That was when I was 19 or 20 years old. I'm telling you. He took that thing out of me. I was sitting there thinking about the Lord, and I was like, how in the world did I become a pastor? How did I get married to Brooke? How did I get a Bible education? Where did this gifting and anointing come from? I was just overwhelmed, and all of a sudden, I had this, and in those days, I get so tickled. I had this big Bible. It looked like a saddle. You, look, this Bible was so big, y'all. I promise you could put it on one of them little horses. Uh, out at Tony Munholland's house that the kids have been riding. I guarantee you could open that leather leather Bible by, and it'd be a saddle for one of them kids. This Bible's this big. And all of a sudden, I was so bound in religion in those days. God have mercy on me. Anyways, I, all of a sudden, I just saw it come up out of the, I saw it come up out of the, the Bible. I just saw this outline come up. And, and literally, I saw an outline from, from Matthew to the epistles, to the book of Revelation, fully explaining the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I just got my pen, my pen out my pad and I started writing. And, and, and what I saw was how it all began with a promise. I'm going to share that with you in just a minute. And that's found in the Gospels. And, and then in the book of Acts, that promise, that plan began to unfold. And, and then there began to be potential problems because so many people were carrying the message. The message was getting diluted and convoluted. And the apostles would go back and correct the message. And, and, and then over in the book of 1 Corinthians, you can find the time period, the statute of limitations for how long this promise will be effective in the earth. And then throughout John and Acts and Romans and Corinthians and other New Testament epistles, you can see the purpose, why God wants us to have this promise in our lives. Then you get to 1 Corinthians 14, and you begin to see how Paul put potential specific parameters on how the public person would operate with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We even begin, as I mentioned earlier, to see in Jude about the prayer language. And then we see in other epistles about the proof positive of the Holy Spirit operating and working in our lives. In light of all of that, as I was thinking about that, I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to put something together for Oaks Church because I've never taken them into this in the two years that we've been together. It's not often that we dive deep into the specifics of New Testament understanding, and I promise we won't get too deep today. However, at the exact same time, so many of you just this morning, if you're the gentleman that came up to me from South Louisiana and you moved from one recovery home to the other and you said, glad to be back, Brother John, this is my church. Raise your hand, come on, stand up for me, brother. What's your name? What's your name? What is it? Okay, Jeff said to me, Jeff said, and oh, by the way, preacher, I brought these two young guys with us because I was telling them it's just different at Oaks Church. It hits different. It feels different. It's something different. And the young guy walked up to me, and he said, I'm going to come. I go over here. I said, oh, that's a great church. He said, but I'm going to come and see what this feeling's all about, what, what they talking about when they keep telling me this. 
And I want you to know the truth of the matter is what makes us different, what makes churches with the Spirit of God inside of them different, makes their worship different, makes their compassion different, makes their witnessing different, makes their love different. It's simply this. It's the power of the promise of the Holy Spirit operating in people's lives. It's not giftedness. It's not talent. It's not charisma. It's not marketing. It's not cameras. It's not camera angles. It's not computers. It's not screens. It's God Almighty living inside of people. That's the true difference maker. And this morning, you're going to be presented with some simple and basic information. You're going to have to make a decision. You're either going to have to say, hey, I would rather continue to believe that this promise was for a certain time period. You're going to have to make a decision. I believe that all that happened because the Bible says that, but I believe it was for the first hundred years. And, and if that's you, and if you believe that, listen to me, I love you, and you're still Christian, and you're my friend, and we're going to share the same eternity. I've got plenty of friends that believe that way. That's the doctrine of cessationism, that they believe all these gifts cease. Like, okay, we've won enough people to the Lord. The gifts are going to stop. And I don't want to speak negatively about that because I want to honor people in their beliefs wherever they're at. But at the exact same time, you're going to be presented with potent, simple information today, straight from the Bible with no man-made twist on it that you may just say, you know what? Maybe this is still for today. Maybe we are supposed to still be super natural. Maybe we are supposed to still see healings and conversions and miracles. And maybe we are supposed to see the church continue to grow when all of the statistics from Barna to Fox News say the church is in decline. Religion is slipping. It's a means of control. But what about people that have a living, breathing, vibrant relationship with God that leads them in power, that leads them in godliness, that leads them in holiness, that understands this isn't God controlling me. This is God protecting me. This is God using me. This is God partnering with me for his plan in the earth. Here's a few things I I just felt like you should know. The reason I'm sharing all of this with you is because I want to build your faith. I don't want to cram it down your throat. I just want to build your faith to believe for something specific in the Bible. Here's why, because the Bible says, this one thing I want to learn from you. Did you ever receive what God promised you because you worked so diligent for it? Or did you receive what God promised you because you believed it by faith? See, the Bible says Abraham believed God, and therefore God made him righteous. The Bible says that the church at Galatia believed for the Holy Spirit and the promise came to them that no one labored their way, worked their way, earned their way, the way we think of earning our spot in the Western world. That's now how it happens in the kingdom of God. The Bible says that God gave you both the faith and the grace to believe the gift that he's promised you. They're of God, not of yourself, so no man can boast. You believe and receive, and once you believe, you speak, because what's in your heart always comes out of your mouth. As a pastor, or the pastor of Oaks Church, I just want to say this subject, I feel, is very critical for a few reasons. Number one, are you ready for this? 
The Holy Spirit, as you're going to see, the promise of God on this Promise Sunday is the only supernatural agent that God ever promised to give the church to accomplish all he commanded you to do. Woman caught in the act of adultery. I, I could tear that thing apart. Not going to. Last commandment of Jesus. Last commandment of Jesus. Last commandment of Jesus. Huh? Yeah, come on. Last commandment of Jesus to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Go what? Go what? Go and sin no more. So, so, so if you believe Jesus told this woman to do something that she was incapable of doing, then he's a cruel taskmaster. He, Jesus said, put a roof on this house and didn't give you no shingles or no hammer. Anybody ever work for somebody ask you to do something, they don't give you the tools to do it? That's miserable. Like, you set me up for failure, dog. <laughs> you don't want me plugging in all these wires. It don't matter if you can hit A, D, B, C, X. You ain't going to sound good if I plug in these wires. Jesus was saying, I'm going to love you, sweetie. I'm it don't matter to me. I, listen, I came for you in your broken. I came, I came to meet you right here. Matter of fact, those religious people that brought you out here to set you up, I came for them old cold-hearted rascals too, and they need me more than you need me. I came to meet you right here, but I'm going to give you something in a few days that will give you control of what you think, give you control of what you say, give you control of what you believe, give you control of how you act and treat other people. I'm going to give you power to go and sin no more. I'm going to give you power to live a good life. Joel. I love this. No, not Joel. Uh, Jude says, and the grace of God has appeared unto all men. Jesus appeared unto all. Teaching us. Check this out. Grace of God has appeared. Hey, Jesus. Remember that old song? <laughs> I'm going to get my African-American brothers and sisters in with this right here. Right on, King Jesus. Come on, no man gonna hinder me. Right on, King Jesus, right on. No man gonna hinder me. The grace of God has appeared on King Jesus came riding through, teaching us to deny ungodliness teaching us to deny worldly lust, teaching us to live soberly, live wisely, live soundly in this present age. Don't tell me grace came to leave you where you're at. Grace came to get you from where you're at to where you're supposed to be. He loves you too much to leave you there. We can change the methods. I can be a preacher with sneakers. We can have fancy backdrops, buildings, microphones, cords, youth groups, children's ministry, women's trips. We can have all the new modern methodologies in the world, but nobody on God's green earth has the authority to change what this Bible said. Up is up, down is down, left is left, right is right, wrong is wrong. Sin is sin and godliness is godliness. And it don't matter how jacked up you are, God 
will love you right in your sin, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He'll bring you out to bring you in. He don't want you in Egypt stuck in bondage. He wants you in Cana, walking in the light of day in your promised land, in a land flowing with milk and honey. That song stuck in my spirit now. Ride on, King Jesus, ride on, no man. It's a promise. You got time for it today? I done got fired up up here today. It's a promise. Check this out. How many gospels are there? Four gospels. Four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If I could show you that this promise was in every gospel, just who taught you the Bible didn't teach you this. I won't put no twist on it. Matthew 3.11. You ready? Watch this. <laughs> Indeed, baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me, this is John the Baptist speaking, I indeed baptize you with water for your repentance. But he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. First gospel, first promise from Jesus' cousin, John, that somebody's coming and he is a bad boy. <laughs> he going to give you a baptism that'll put some pep in your step, some up in your jump, <laughs> some hands in your lifting, some glory in your mouth. He, gonna, he got something on him that's different. Mark, it's a 1-8. John again, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Next gospel. Luke, it's a 3-16. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one coming who's mightier than I, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to even take off to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Last gospel, favorite one. John, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, you want to know why it's my favorite one? Look at that statement. Break it down. Let's do a little expository preaching of the Bible. I didn't say suppository. It's all right to laugh in church. I said expository preaching of the Bible. Break it down bit by bit. John says, it wasn't me that said this. It was he that sent me. John chapter 1 verse 8 says, there was a man named John, sent by God. Same chapter, verse 8. There was a man named John, sent by God. Put the verse back up there, John 133, please, media. I did not know him, but he who sent me. Who sent him? He who sent me said to me. Now it's not John saying it. Now it's not Matthew, Mark, the doctor Luke saying it. He's saying, God said this, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remain, this is he who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. So God the Father tells John the Baptist, there's a bad boy coming. And when you baptize him and the Spirit comes on him, this is the one that's going to pour out the Holy Spirit on all humanity. We were at CCS this past week. We are at Family Church this past week. How many of you were there for that? 
Come on, I know Jay was. It, it was a fun time. They had all the area pastors in, and we played this charades game. And, and Oaks Church actually won because our people are so great, and they know the Bible, and they acted it out. Well, one of them, they were acting out Jesus' water baptism and the Holy Spirit baptism come down on it. I just right there in the middle, I wouldn't care. I had my back to him. I said, oh, when Jesus was water baptized, and then he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's why every Christian needs to be water baptized for repentance and spirit baptized for power. Matt Brock came up to me after church. He said, I heard you drop that truth bomb up in the middle of that school chapel. You tell them, boy, everybody needs the Holy Ghost. If you don't got him, you're living without a promise God wants you to have. You're walking around with a blank check to do some things for you that you can't do for yourself that you ain't never cashed. You just left that bad boy folded up in your wallet. You lost it. It's in a drawer somewhere. And if you would turn in that resource and exchange it for its currency, it would make some deposits and changes in your life that you ain't never seen because you ain't never used it. Number two, they're going to put this on the screen. Jesus' last instructions. I love this. Look at this verse right here. Luke 24, 49. Behold, y'all thought I made this up. Behold, I send what? Read it to me. Behold, I send what? Behold, I send the promise of my who? (laughs) Isn't it amazing how the word says what the word says in every chapter that you read the word? If you think you found something in the Word that don't say the same thing, trust me, it's not the Word, it's you. It's your knowledge, your understanding is incomplete of what the Word actually says. Just keep studying, trust me. The more you study, the more you learn, the less you'll realize you know. Behold, I send the promise. This isn't my sermon title. This isn't a catchy phrase. This is what Jesus said it is for me. I send the promise. I'm going to give it, but God actually made the promise. I'm going to send the promise of my Father, and when he comes on you, I want you to start where you're at in your home, Jerusalem, and then I want you to go to your Judea. I want you to go to your Samaria. I want you to tell your neighbor. I want you to tell Drew School. I want you to tell West Ridge Middle. I want you to tell McClendon Baptist. I want you to tell United Methodist. I want you to tell CR. I want you to tell the Halfway House, the Recovery Home, City of Faith, Monroe, Jackson Street. I want you to tell everybody in broken in chains and in hell fighters and the banditos and the every other motor, anybody that'll listen, tell them about this gospel. But I know you're not bold enough, strong enough, gifted enough, eloquent enough to do it without the Holy Spirit. Young kid, he's not here today, William Perkins, you got to get to know him. Tremendous athlete, amazing story. Fasted all week, fasted all week to go serve at a, at a high school retreat this weekend with, First West, uh, with, with, with Monroe. Uh, uh, what's the big Monroe? North Monroe. He, he said, Pastor, I need some coaching on my, my, little, my little testimony. They want me to, they only want to give me 20 minutes. I said, they only want to kill you. I said, shut up. You get a lot of time. Get up there. You can't tell them what God did in your life. Well, I got this detail and this judge and this court case and this school and this fallout with my dad and this. I Fooey on all that. You need to know all that for you or for your book. Get up there and tell them people mountain. He said, so you saying wing? I said, no, write it all out. 
But then get up there in that moment after you've prepared the war horse for the day of battle, after you labored before, then you get up there and in that moment, in that very hour, take no thought of what you'll say. The Holy Spirit will come on you and tell you exactly what you need to say to be effective. Do the preparation for you. Open your mouth and speak for them. He texted me, he said, you ain't gonna believe. They gave me a standing ovation. They said it was the best one ever. I said, see what that Holy Spirit will do. That Holy Spirit will make you from somebody. I say, Brooke, how'd I do this morning years ago? And Brooke said, you did terrible. You read on a piece of paper the whole time. You never looked up and made eye contact. I said, well, what I write 17 pages of notes for? She said, I don't know, but don't ever do that again. The church ain't never gonna grow. Man, you got to preach to people. You got to love people. You got to let the Holy Spirit flow through. You got to reach them where they're at and tell them where God wants them to be. If you dumb it down, they'll go lower. But if you raise the standard, raise the bar, raise the level of promise, raise the level of expectation, raise their desire and their dream, their expectations for their future, people will have a tendency to live up by God's power over what you're prophesying in their lives. I don't even know where I'm at. Don't matter because the Holy Spirit's preaching. Number three, we done. Pastor Chad, come get me out of this airplane before I crash. (laughs) There's proof, Bible proof, that this promise is still for you and I today. It's very simple. Look at this. Tell you a funny story while they're pulling up Acts 2, 38 and 39. This burglar was burglarizing houses in, in West Monroe. And uh, he was doing it on, on days that people were in church. And he was doing it on Wednesday nights when people were in church because he knew his Bible belt and most people were in church. And uh, this little lady, this little apostolic lady, Pentecostal lady, got out of prayer meeting early. And when she came home, there was a man in her house with a burglar and she did what every good Pentecostal person knows to do, put, put it back up there. She said, Acts 238. <laughs> the, pen, the, the pennies in the room know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the true apostolics in the house know what I'm talking about. It's our favorite scripture, Acts 238. Burglar dropped the TV, stood there. She called the cops, cops got there, came in and said, you're under arrest. Why'd you just stand here? He said, that lady says she had two axes and a 38. (laughs) Two axes and a 38. (laughs) Then Peter said to them, repent and let a few of you, a select few of you. And he said, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you shall then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. For the what? Is to you. And to what? So, 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 so if God, just listen to me, if God's plan was I'm going to do this for a season, would that verse read that way? That that verse is open-ended. Do you know why the book of Acts has no ending? 
like every other book comes to a conclusion because we're still living in the book of Acts days. There's this, the, the book of Acts isn't over. We are the Acts of the church. Where's your Acts in your 238s? just make a couple of statements here the term promise or the term baptism with the Holy Spirit is in all four Gospels watch this how do you believe in the rapture you know the rapture is not in the Bible I didn't say there's not going to be a rapture we ain't going to argue about when it's going to be post, mid, pre Pastor Denny said pan I said Pastor Denny what's pan he said I believe with Jesus it's all going to pan out it's all going to pan out. I ain't finna argue with you on brother. It's gonna, I ain't going to fall out with you over the beginning, the middle of the You're still my brother. How are we going to reach the world together? We in there arguing about doctrine over when the rapture is going to be. What I'm telling you is the word rapture is not in the Bible, but you believe in the rapture. How come you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's in all four Gospels. Have you believe in a trinity? No matter how you understand it, oneness... Three yet one, one yet three. I don't believe in three gods. Three persons, one being, one person, one God, three persons. Semantics, which side of the coin, how we're explaining it. I'm going to fall out with you over that. I can show you the Father speaking, the Son being baptized, and the Holy Spirit descending. I know they're all three active. Trinity's never in the Bible, but you believe in it. To some degree, some sense. How come you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Say, okay, well, well, what is the baptism? Are we going to get there? Just trying to build your faith right now. Just want you to know you're going to leave here today with a blank check. Jesus is promised to be the baptizer. See, what makes it hard for us is we sign up for water baptism. Oh, by the way. All this hundred people saved last week, 700 people here. I'm like my friend, where they at? Come back. Be sure and tell them to sign up on the website, oakschurch.cc for water baptism. When's that coming up? Okay, it's coming up, sign up. We wanna see these people get baptized. We wanna see the old go down. It's easy to understand water baptism because we see someone administer the baptism. But the Bible says Jesus never water baptized anybody. Did you know that? Jesus never water baptized anybody because he's not a water baptizer. He's a spirit baptizer. When Mary walks in the room with Elizabeth, when was Elizabeth and John filled with the Holy Spirit? When Jesus walked in the room in Mary's womb. Jesus has been baptizing people with the Holy Spirit for over 2,000 years and he'll still do it today. It can happen in a jail cell. It can happen riding down the road. It can happen in a deer stand. It can happen in a shower. It can happen at the altar. It can happen in a small group. <clears throat> this guy asked me to pray for him years ago. He had, the big, he had a half a can of Copenhagen in the middle of his mouth. And my little religious bound mind at that time, I said, God ain't finna baptize this guy. But the Holy Spirit got Copenhagen in his mouth. Next time, I don't know, this sucker was speaking in tongues, spitting Copenhagen all over me. And then I said... I said, well, there goes my little religious box. I mean, every time I try to put you in it, God, you just show me up. This teaching is introduced by God in the Bible. 
Jesus said, this is the power we need. He didn't say, go start a mission. He didn't say, go start a soup kitchen. He didn't say, go plant a church. He said, wait. 50 days from now, from Passover, you're going to get something from God. You're going to get a blank check in the mail. And without it, you can't do what I'm calling you to do. Maybe you feel frustrated. Maybe you feel unseen. Maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel like your efforts are dry or in vain or you're praying up against the brass heaven. It could be that the vitality of the life-giving flow of God by His Spirit's not actively working in your life. He's not all gifts. He's fruit too. It takes both, all nine. We'll cover that. Nine fruits, nine gifts at another time. Peter then made it clear that this baptism wasn't just for the disciples turned apostles, but it, would, it was for all who would accept Christ. Here's what I want you to pray in this, this sovereign moment this morning. If, if you feel like God said anything to you, bow your heads with me, please. You don't have to stand. I'm going to mention three prayer requests. Maybe you want to pray all three. Maybe you want to pray just one. Oh, God, please let them pray none. Let, let, don't, don't let anybody in here's hearts be so hard, their necks be so stiff that they wouldn't pray any of them. God, would you give me a stronger desire to spend more time with you in your word? I know today it's become so easy to pull up something digitally and electronically, and, and I'm not saying I don't do that as well, but there's just something about quiet time with the written word just the revelation that his spirit gives to you. Maybe you say, I hear somebody say, well, I don't understand. Get in a small group. We can help you understand. Get, get, a, get a mentor. Get a life coach. Get an accountability partner. Get a Bible you can actually understand. Read two verses. Meditate on it and pray. Soap works well. Scripture, observation, application of it in your life, and in prayer. Father, give us a stronger desire to spend more time with you in your word so we can learn these deeper truths. God, we don't want to just be shallow Christians. Reveal the truth to me, God, not just because pastor said so. Reveal the truth to me about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, now listen, I, 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 I shot away from this earlier, not intentionally, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to this. I, listen, this is not about you praying to get the Holy Spirit for us to see if you jump high enough, if you run fast enough, if you speak in tongues. Like that, that, listen to me. That ain't what this is. I, I feel like when, when denominations have done that in the past, they've really limited the harvest of people that will come in. I, I would rather see you have fruit of the Holy Spirit in your lives than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've seen a lot of people running around with gifting that are just dangerous. They're like three-year-olds with 357s. They, they don't have the maturity to operate in those gifts. The Bible says this, you can have all the gifts in the world, but if you don't have the one fruit of love, all of your gifting is for nothing. I'm, 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 this isn't about seeing if you meet up, measure up to some test. This is about seeing the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit bring fruit 
and vitality and purity and hopefulness and joy and expectation to your life. This is about seeing you change as God works through you to change the world. So many of us struggle with how much of this we want because it calls for a surrender of how much we're willing to change. I'll take a little of you, God, so it only requires a little of me, God. Number three, help me to be more attentive to the work of what I thought was others, what I thought was gifting, but now I realize was really the promise of the Holy Spirit in my life. Help me to truly recognize what is spirit and what is flesh. Help me recognize, God, what is, what is you and what is man. And when I recognize it, help me give the credit and the glory to you when it's you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Would somebody give God a hand clap of praise today? If